0: Well, 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 what's going on? How you doing? How you villain? Welcome to the Greatest Voice Podcast. Thank you for being a part of the mob. Thank you for being a part of the people. Do you do drugs and do you enjoy watching HBO Max? Let's just talk about it. Um, first off, how's everybody's weekend? How was everybody's weekend? I was a good spirits. I um. Before we get into this topic, you know, I usually like to just hop right into the topic just because I don't like to wait. I just want to say... If you guys still have Netflix, if you are really paying twenty dollars a month for Netflix, I know they just raised their price. You are a goofy, you are a fool, and you need to download HBO Max on your phone because I can tell you, bro, it is well worth the fourteen dollars nine that they charge. Well, I got AT and T, so I ain't even gotta play. Round of applause for the people out there who got AT and T and don't <laughs> got for HBO Max, which is a real thing. If you do got, a, if you really do have a, a um, AT and T, you do not have to pay for HBO Max. That is a thing. You don't have to pay. Um. That app has some good shows. I'm just telling you, I don't know if you like to get high and watch TV shows for recreational purposes. I do not smoke weed, but I'm just saying whatever you, whatever your recreational choice is, you could definitely improve it by pairing HBO Max with it. I run the treadmill for at least two to three hours a day, and I love to watch HBO Max while I'm on the treadmill, so I'm just saying that. One of the shows that I discovered on this app, I've been watching it since it first came out about two years ago. I'll never forget when I first started watching. I was so broke, y'all. I'll never forget that shit. I was, I was doing security at Monterey Village, still po, sleeping in my car. It was bad, bro. Had an apartment, but just it was bad. It was a bad time. But um, one of the shows that I discovered on that platform was called Euphoria. And today's episode that I saw, along with another series of events that took place with um. Some organizations trying to, I'll say, uh, cancel said show because they felt that the show glamorized drug addiction, gang violence, graffiti, white women having sex with racially amb- ambiguous people, all the things that scare white parents. But no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm being serious. I'm, I'm being serious. No, but um, there was a there's this program called D.A.R.E. that tried to cancel the program, tried to cancel the TV show, it wants to have a meeting with the, the showrunners and creators of the program. Because they feel like the show is glamorizing, glamorizing all these activities that I just listed. And I'll add on to that. Add on to that. That the episode that I just watched last night that just aired was so good. It was so profound that I felt it was no wacky on this podcast and not talk about it. Now, it motivated me to talk about a bigger concept in terms of what's going on in American high schools and high school culture in general. For those who are watching this episode who are watching to my podcast right now that are fans of the podcast, I'm going to talk about more or less how the concept of the show relates to our regular lives, what you might be what you might be going through if you're in high school, what your kids might be going through if they're in high school. Then later on in the episode, I'm going to do a really deep deep dive, nerd dive, and break down the episode. But for right now, let's just talk about what Let's just let's just hop right into it. The show's about a very, very beautiful young African-American woman named Rue, who's played by the lovely Zendaya. I love Zendaya, by the way. Shout out to Zendaya. For those who do not know who Zendaya is, Zendaya is the young lady who played um she played Mary Jane in the new Spider-Man. And she is playing the fuck out of this role that she has right now. Let me tell you, she knows what the hell she is doing. She um uh, she definitely you know, the thing I've always loved about Zendaya is, one, she's black. And I'm not talking about skin tone, I'm talking about just black. Like, she, you know, she from Oakland, you feel me, she from the turf. She uh, she went to school out there. Like, whenever you see Zendaya, I love that she walks in her black and Like, she ain't scared to let you know she ain't gang goofy. She lets you know she went with black rights and stuff like that, so I like that about her. But at the same time, she's talented. Like, there are some black actresses that are on these TV shows that are in these movies who I do feel do not have an inkling worth of talent, but I just feel like they're there just to take up space, just because hey we needed a black faith at the time. So I, when I see her, like she killed the Mary Jane role in Spider-Man, she is killing the fuck out of this role. I've never seen somebody play a drug addict so accurately. Like, by the way, I know here hear the can. That's the sparkling water. I don't drink beer. I've never seen somebody play a drug addict so. Just well and in depth, like she really be doing it. She be breaking it down. She even got the, like the last episode, she was dancing by herself in the bedroom for five minutes, listening to some goddamn uh, gospel song sung by Fred Hammond back in the day somewhere. Just, le- just in her mind, she was dancing with somebody. She was high as fuck. Like she be getting that shit down. Like, I know my uncle used to do that when he used to get all high. Officials. Let me stop putting this business out there. More of the story is, is um, she's a very, uh, very talented young lady. And in this TV show, she's playing Rue, who is a recovering drug addict in high school. I don't think they're ever clear about her age. I don't know if she's a junior or a senior. I want to say she's a senior now, but she's a recovering drug addict who ends up being in a relationship with this um, woman who... Man who chooses to identify as a woman and went through the process and et cetera, et cetera, named Jules, a transsexual woman. And they begin a relationship. It's kind of confusing, I know, even when I said that. And um, it's an interesting thing. Now, I'm ignoring a lot of, when I say this, this first half of the episode, I'm choosing not to break down a lot of key concepts to the, a lot of key people into the show. Because for the first half of of this podcast episode that I'm doing right now. I want to break down why this show touched me and why it made me want to talk about this. Then later on in the episode, as I said, I'm going to go deeper into into the show. So the show really gets deep in the underworld of just bullshit. I mean, like just. Not everybody on drugs, but the people who are on drugs are on drug drugs. And these are supposed to be kids, mind you. And they on drug drugs. The kids that's supposed to be fuck, the kids that's fucking are fucking. And these are kids' kids, fucking. And... To sum it up, this is why D.A.R.E. I know some of y'all remember D.A.R.E. D.A.R.E., do you remember when you was in school in that group of about five or six white people came to your elementary school or middle school? And they gave. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. It was like it was like in, for me, it was in elementary school, but they come. To, they usually come to like an elementary school or middle school. They come to your school and they give you like those ribbons that say don't do drugs. D.A.R.E. Or whatever, whatnot. They came to our school. They gave us the ribbons. I stuck by my pledge. I didn't do drugs and I chose not to, and I did a good job doing it. I can't speak for the rest of the niggas in my class who were in Patterson Elementary School in Vallejo, California, but I can tell you my black ass did not pick up another, pick up a pill or percusset. However, for others, I can't say. So, <clears throat> hmm. Bringing all this up because, bringing all this up because, in this show, it talks about all these things, these topics that, Some feel are kind of taboo a little bit. High school sex, sex while you're in high school. Drug, popping pills, er, um, Perkis, Perkis, Perkis sets, ibuprofens, mask off, whatever the hell you would say. All this going on while you're in high school. And they said that they would want to have a conversation with the cat, with the staff of HBO, the showrunners, et cetera, et cetera, because they feel like they're glamorizing all these things. Now, and as I keep saying this, the first half of this episode I want to talk about what was going on in your high school versus what they're talking about is going on in this show and versus what they're talking about what's been going on in high school in terms of like the movies and TV shows that we watched growing up. Because I feel like there's a big disconnect between all of the three. All three. My first day of high school. My very first day of high school. The first four periods was cool. I think the 10 minute break in between second and third period, they tried to, I, I watched this this one freshman, he he had, he had was on crutches and these two dudes were trying to stuff him into a trash can because it was freshman, uh you know, freshman day to day when you stuff all the freshmen in the trash cans, which only saw one nigga get stuffed in the trash can. They ain't stuffed my black ass in the trash can. Mine said they ain't tried, but you know, they, you know, they, they unsuccessful motherfuckers. But, um, it was fifth period where it got crazy. Fifth period, a fight broke out and it literally looked, my high school was a pretty good sized high school. It felt like 400 kids ran to the lockers and started fighting in the high school. School ended early. And when I got on the bus to go back home. All these kids, these big ass singers got on the bus and they rode the bus from our high school to the high school a few miles down the street. Got into a fight with some kid and they ended up beating him up so bad that he had to get airlifted from Hogan High School to the, um, I think he went to Kaiser Hospital in Vallejo, California. High school for me is a wild place. School in general is a wild place. And it's interesting because a lot of the times, and when I say these things, I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who doesn't have kids, who's not putting 20 or $30 on my kid's little lunch uh, tab or a week or I don't know how that shit works and making sure he gets reduced free lunch or whatever. I don't know how that works. I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who, who doesn't have to go through the worries of what if my daughter, if my daughter's walking home alone or from, but I don't, I don't, I can just tell you what I dealt with in high school and middle school. When I watch this TV show, and there are some things that are a bit exaggerated. Like, for example, the young white man, shout out to, uh, what's his name? The character played by Angus Cloud. His name is, um, go to his name. His name is um, Fesco. Fes. Hold up. Yeah, Fes. Fesco. Shout out to Fesco. He's played by Angus Cloud, another dude from Cali. I notice a lot of executives from California. I appreciate that. But, um,. When I watch this show and I see like for example him, the young man I just named, this nigga is like the like a a multi thousandaire drug dealer in this neighborhood. This nigga little brother then clapped the nigga and all this other crazy shit. When I see clapped, I mean shot somebody. It all seems a bit extreme. It all seems a bit extreme. But it's hard for me to really judge because I can tell you when I was 15, 16, 17, and 14, I knew people who were doing those things in school or out of school. I watched a man, she let me tell you something, Rue, the girl who played by Resea, her little drug addict, uh, she might get up on the couch in her room and and start dancing and singing uh, Luther Vandross and, and Ariana Grande songs when she get high. Nigga, when I was a kid, when I was her age, or whatever this hair ages, age is, Nigga, I watched the Vice Lord uh, get high, nigga, and go fight seven Crips by himself, and them niggas wore him the fuck out. You know, that was, but a, that was something that only an addict will do. Like, he, he was like, oh yeah, bet I got him. He took off his shirt and everything. Shout out to Kendrick. Kendrick, you know who I'm talking about. Um... I saw kids on drugs when I was sixteen or seventeen. That was a real thing. That was a real thing. And keep in mind I'm a grown man. I'm 30. But I can tell you when I was a kid, I saw grown ass men on drugs. I saw grown not grown men, I saw 16 to 15 year olds popping pills as far as the sexuality. Hey, when I was 14 to 15, I wasn't doing it, but I can tell you they were running trains on girls when I was fourteen and fifteen and sixteen. That was a thing. Even with the you can when you can bring up the gay thing and the trans thing. The trans thing was new to me. I had never seen trans before when I was a kid like that. But as far as I saw girls in girl and girl relationships when I was a kid, that was a thing when I was a kid. I saw gang fights all the time. I'll be real with you. The funniest thing I was thinking about watching this show is they don't really get into violence that much in the show. But when I was a kid, I saw more gang. I, the Most of the fights I ever saw in my life were in middle school more than high school. I swear to you. Like, high school, we had a lot of fights, but it was more... Middle school, we had so many goddamn fights. Middle school was like war zone. Anybody out there who went to Springstown Middle School in Vallejo, California, you know what I was talking about, bro. It was like war. I was like the war zone out there, bro. It was a different place, man. But um, so bringing all this up because it is something to be said about how some of the times when you watch these shows and they talk about drugs, sex, sucking dick and being gay and et cetera, et cetera. It sounds so extreme because the characters in these shows are supposed to be kids, which, by the way, all the people who are playing these characters are all in their 20s. But it is something to be said about how a lot of this shit isn't so far from the childhoods that I live, that I lived the childhood that you might have lived. You know, my. You know, I know a lot of people who in their 50s who told me they lost their virginity when they were 11 or 10. That's a common thing. I feel like I've talked to a lot of grown men in their 40s and 50s who told me they, they have their virginity taken by a babysitter. Uh, some said by one of their dad's friends or something like that. You know, that's a real thing, you know, um, even I'll, I'll step outside of the show for a minute. When I used to watch these shows on BET and I used to talk about like gangs, being a gang member, growing up in L.A. or in Oakland and choosing between getting having a full right scholarship to a historically black college in Tennessee or being a, a gangster in Oakland. It used to be so funny because like they'd always had that part in show in the movie where like um the dude would choose in between shooting somebody or not shooting somebody. And this is a high schooler we're talking about, right? The character will be a high schooler. That always perplexed me because I can tell you when we was in high school, the niggas that were shooting niggas, they were shooting in high school. Like they didn't they didn't wait to 20. This, this is what you have to understand. And by the this is what you have to understand about the hood. Most niggas in the hood that are shooters and thugs and really were out there about it, they don't start when they turn 18 or 19 or 21 and get a gun license. They usually start 14, 15, 16. I can tell you a lot of stories about niggas who went to parties and lifted the garage door up and shot up everybody or pulled up and shot up there. Shot my cousin. I remember my cousin, shout out to my cousin. I ain't going to say his name because I want to put it out there. When he was 13, I was 12. Keep in mind, I'm 12, he's 13. No, I was no. He was twelve. Yeah, he was twelve. I was eleven. I was eleven. He was twelve. These dudes pulled up at the school, got into him. I guess they thought he was somebody else. Jumped him, pistol whipped him, and put a gun in his mouth. And I guess they were about to shoot And When he told me what stopped him was the cops. Ended. They heard the sirens or something, so they ran off. But that was a real thing. This thing was twelve years old. The dude who held the gun and put it in his mouth, he couldn't have been more than 12. He had to have been. Well, I might have been older because back in them days, you know, you see high schoolers come to the middle school and just fucking bully people. But it is something to be said about how when you watch these shows, man, you know, kids in high school go through a lot. And I can only really imagine what they're going through now. Now, one argument you can make right now when I tell you my stories and try to relate it to this show is, well, this show is set in the suburbs versus your stories are coming from high schools that are, you know urban ghetto schools you know not necessarily not necessarily when i was in school most of my middle school and high school experience comes from staying in vallejo california and then i moved to alabama and vallejo was one of those cities like a lot of cities in this country where the different Backgrounds will connect in the high school because it's not like thing about reality is it's not like you're gonna go to one high school and just see everybody from the hood there and no suburban kids like it's no such thing as all the suburban kids go to one high school and all the ghetto kids go to this high school no unless the high school unless the high school is just dead set in the ghetto and the ghetto got to be really big for that to where like the only people who are going to that ghetto going to that high school are people from the ghetto but most of the time especially in California. A lot, of these, a lot of these high schools are mixed with kids from different neighborhoods. So even when you would go to, the sub, for, for example, the suburban high schools, you would see people getting on drugs. You would see people addicted to drugs. You would see people joining gangs because they're hanging out with kids from another side of town. So that was a thing. And it's still a thing now. It hasn't changed yet. When you go to a lot of these little suburban towns or even <clears throat> high schools are in the suburbs, you'll see kids doing a lot of drugs there or going to the hoods. A few blocks over because some of those kids' parents might be from the hoods. So they might have still have some family out there, might feel some connection. And that's the thing too. And that's something that you see everywhere. Like I feel like the one thing we have to always remember about high school, and like we all did it to as kids. There's always gonna be there's always gonna be a certain percentage of the population that attends high school that just wants to be a part of the the cool crowd. The, the taboo crowd the whether it's the kids who are the bad kids the kids who are doing kids or who, who are doing drugs that ain't the change that ain't nothing new that ain't nothing new what worries me sometimes I guess is wondering how game goofy well I'll say how unaware and how delusional some parents can be when it comes to the situation that their kids face like my mama was never game goofy my mama was never my mom you know, my mama from the hood. My mama from Third. My mom from Old Park Third Avenue. Uh, my daddy from uh, Old Park Tray Five. So she, there was nothing like my mom. There was nothing I could ever get by my mom. My mom always knew everything was going on. She knew what was going on. It was no way. I was never even on that type of time anyway. Just because I've always pretty much been a good person, but there was nothing I could ever slip with my mom. My mama. My mama was on top of it. She knew she knows she knew the game. You know, like I said, she from the she from the turf, so she already knew what was up. She wouldn't fall him for shit. Um, a lot of people's parents don't. The weirdest thing I always think about when you when I when I think think back to high school and middle school is how big of the difference between what we think kids should be doing at that age is. Versus what the kids are doing at that age is. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like. When I can tell you when I was in middle school, man, the things I had to go through, you know, it was it was rough, man. It was rough, man. You know. I I, I, and it's weird to me because when I think of like me having a son at that age. Like, when I have a son, when I have a son, he's 11 or 12 or 13 years old. Now, I'm, we're not even talking about high school. We're talking about middle school. I remember the fights, getting jumped, being so scared I had to. I went to school and brought brass knuckles to school Thing think I was going to have to beat the shit out of somebody. Fighting every day. It felt like I had to. Man, I had so many fights. I had so many fights. I got bullied, too, but I had so many fights, bro. It was like. Even when, then, when you get to high school, then when I went to high school, I, I went to one year high school. Then I went to Job Corp in Montgomery, Alabama. And even then, it was like hell. I was fighting every day and having to prove myself every five minutes. And this was just was like, it was a headache, man. It was a headache, man. It was, it was, a, um, I bring that up because I wonder, there are certain stories. My mom was pretty aware of everything, but there are certain things to this day my mom doesn't know that I went through in school. And I, I worry because I wonder how many things my son, when I do have a son, or when I do have a daughter, are they going to go through in school that they're not going to tell me about? Whether because they're embarrassed, whether because they don't they don't feel comfortable talking to me about the situations, or whether just because you know, like I said, man, like people kill this show. And once again, shout out to uh, Marcel. The, uh, the creator of the show, shout out to Marcel, um, what's his name? Marcel, what's his, I have his name here. Shout out to Marcel, I forgot his name, but the the cinema, cinema photographer because he has this show well directed, but they kill them. <clears throat> a lot of people say the show is too graphic and it glamorizes drugs and sex and all that in high school, but it's like, bro, when if you was in high school, you know that was going on. I can tell you in a lot of these communities, a lot worse than that is going on, like, I remember, man, when they had that one party, I ain't going to say where, and them niggas went to that party. I was 17. I wasn't out here at the time, but niggas went to the party, lifted up the garage door of the party, two 17-year-olds, and shot up the whole party, shot three people, and killed one dude. I think them niggas are still in jail because of that right now, and they were 17-year-olds. I remember my last night in Montgomery, Alabama, my last night. I haven't been back to Alabama since. There was a shooting that took place if you're from Alabama, you probably know what I'm talking about. And this dude whose mom worked at Jackson Hospital in the east side, he called, she called her and he talked to her about it. When he came and we was, we was in the job, we was sitting there talking. He was like, he's like, Hey man, nigga, my mama just called me, bro. And I was like, what, what's going on? She's like, man, nigga, she just was like, she just was like, so I don't know what the fuck went on out there. But just, you know, please don't go outside. A sh- really bad shooting took place. And Lily, we got four kids right now in the hospital. 15, 16, 17, just begging for their life. I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? So the next day, one of the homies, who was, I think he's from Ridgecrest, he came out and was talking about it. And he was like, he said, nah, what happened was this, but them niggas went outside. They got, they, it was somewhere they went, and they got into a shootout. But he was like, bro, the craziest thing about that shit. Now keep in mind, we're 17 at the time saying this. He said, Bro, it was young niggas too, like 14, 15, talking about some nigga, fuck you nigga, on blah, 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 and just killed you and just was shooting. And it's weird because, you know, when you're 17 and you see somebody, see, when I look at somebody who's 14 or 15 now I look at them as like hella young now, but like, like, when, like, the thing is, somebody like, 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 I was 17 looking at them thinking like they're babies, but now retrospect, I'm like, no, we weren't that far away, way in age, but like, those high school years are, those high school years are a very, very special time because they create the identity to some extent of how you see yourself when you go out in the real world. You know what I mean? Like, and a lot of the times that can be to your detriment, you know. I'm just now learning a lot of the ways that I saw myself as a kid. Not only don't I see my, I shouldn't see myself like that anymore. People in the real world don't see me like that anymore. You know, because you got to remember, you know, I, um, Life is just crazy, man. You know, you know, I never would have thought when I was 14 years old and when I was 14 years old and getting slammed up against a locker and getting my lunch money snatched out of my pocket and shit like that. I never thought that I could have never envisioned that at 25 and 26, I'd be slamming somebody on the concrete, stomping them out and. Or I'll be dragging somebody on their legs and um, slamming up against the wall and stuff like that. I'm saying all this because I used to, I was a bouncer, knock on wood. I'm trying to stop working as a bouncer, but and it's weird to see that. Like even now when I look at my life, it's weird to see like how much that changed. I went from being bullied as a kid to being almost like a if you know me as an adult and you've seen me fight before, you you know how I get down. You know, I've I worked at a, I worked at a lot of clubs in my life. I only had to fight me a few... No, I fought, fought a few times. I can hold you. But it's, but it's just it is what it is, bro. No, I... Uh, but it's weird, you know. I'm bringing that up because that identity that you form of yourself, the way that you see yourself in high school, a lot of the time you'll leave high school and still feel that way about you. So, high school is crazy, you know. This show, back to you, Bouncing Back to Euphoria... It, to me, paints a, just a slightly exaggerated image of what it's like to go to high school in the suburbs, particularly in California, because there is going to be a lot of drugs. There's going to be sex involved. There are going to be grown men sleeping with little girls like that dude was sleeping with that transsexual woman. So that is going to be a thing. And it happened a lot, man. You know, when I was a kid, shit, there was there was fucking, I remember there was a girl, I wish I could say her fucking name, I can't say it. There was a girl, I remember she was seven, she was 16, oh, she was so fine. She was 16, when we were in job court, she was 16, I was 16, she used to go, she used to go up to Birmingham and strip. She used to go up to Birmingham and strip, she used to lie about her age, cause she was like just fine, she was thick as fuck, but she used to go to Birmingham and strip. Niggas didn't know she was 16. I knew a lot of girls like that at that age. You were like, who were 16, 17, and was fucking grown men and was having them niggas like, you know, letting them drive their cars and stuff like that. That was a thing. So, this is going to be the part of the podcast episode where I start talking about more of the episode of this show rather than talking about how the show relates to my life. But I can just say, if you are a parent, I highly encourage you to watch this. I think a lot of times with parents, when you see your kids, it's so hard to see your kids like how you were as a kid, and because a lot of times you're just looking at them as like my baby, my baby, my baby. But at a certain point, your baby gonna be fucking. At a certain point, your baby gonna get out here and start moving and grooving and doing this thing. Your baby gonna, you know, your baby trying to get some dick. You know, what I'm just saying it is what it is. So, I highly encourage you to watch the show just because it makes you think. Now, obviously, there are some exaggerations. Like, I didn't see any 17-year-old white boy running a whole goddamn drug operation that spanned the whole county. I didn't see that. But I did see some niggas out there who were selling dope, and they was making good money, 16 to 17 years old. They was making money. They was getting a little cheese. They was getting a little cheddar. Like I said, there's high schools a weird age. Now, <clears throat> this episode of Euphoria, I'm on season four, episode four, or season two, episode four. How do I feel about this episode? Uh, so what's the homie's name? The dude who Rue got a, got a slightly got a crush on, but she don't want to admit it. Uh, what's his name? I'm going to find his name. Elliot. Elliot. Shout out to Elliot. Elliot is fucking Jules. Well, apparently Elliot is fucking Jules. I initially thought he was after Rue. Turns out he has changed that. He is uh, he is after Jules. Now, how do we feel about that? Is he a dirty nigga for that? And is Jules dirty for that? First off, I didn't see that coming. I honestly really thought, I I really didn't see that coming. And it's funny because the outburst that Rue had at the end of this episode, and we're talking about episode four of season two, I was thinking that she had that outburst because maybe she had a hint that they, something happened between them. I don't know. That was my first thought. Because even then, like, when she started drinking, they got, she got mad, she got mad. They, Elliot and Jules got mad at Rue when they were in the car and she started drinking, but my mentality was like, but y'all went to go steal beer, so only you two were going to drink beer, and she wasn't going to drink beer, because they kept saying, why are you drinking, why are you drinking, and, you know, she got mad and said, you know, shut the fuck up, and even in the outburst that she had at her was so fast, I was like. That makes me wonder for her to immediately go to just fuck you. I'm tired of you instantly. I wonder has she always felt like that about Jules in the last few days. Like I want to just be rid of you. Or was that really just a liquor and drugs talking? Or it might be that she really suspects something's going on between Elliot and Jules. And I would have never saw that coming, bro. I would have never saw that coming. I like how they kind of present Jules a little bit. Jules is kind of presented as almost like this. Innocent sprite like um free spirit, almost the full tarot card in the tarot deck. Like she's a, it's a, I it's like how they kind of present her. Um That's how I feel about that next episode. I don't know where it's going to go from there. I see her taking drugs from the taking pills and stuff from the drug that she was supposed to be selling. And she is not selling. She's doing a terrible job as a drug dealer. You know. Um, big worm would have been big worm would have been killed her. And it makes me wonder is it gonna be a thing in the episode where she's taking more drugs than she's selling and suddenly, you know, the person who's been supplying her, that old Cruella Deville woman, she don't look like Cruella Deville. I don't know why I said that. But I wonder is that gonna be a thing where she's gonna make her pay up and be like, Hey, you know, hey, you owe me, you know, what what's what's going on? What the fuck are you doing? So that's something too as well. Um, moving on from her and going to this the conversation with um that cat had with um with Maddie about how she is tired of what's that nigga's name? She's with um Ethan, I think his name is Ethan or Ed, the, the nerdy guy. She's tired. She's just tired of him. It is interesting because when she was in... When she was... Last episode, last season, she was all about him. She wanted him so bad. And when she finally got him now, she's kind of tired of him. And she just... He, I think... Like that episode, I think it was two episodes ago, where she had like a sexual fantasy of like this... Drake the Barbarian looking ass nigga came in and, and stuck a spear in him and killed him in front of her. And, you know, just started fucking her crazy. It's weird to feel like... um You know, when I talk about Kat, to be honest with you, I can kind of relate to what she's saying, yo. Know? because like as a nerd, I don't know, bro. It, it was weird to me. Like, I, um, when I say this, this is going to come off as kind of, no, nah, ain't going to come off arrogant. It's just being real. I always tell people up front, be I in the hood, be I in the suburbs, I always tell people I am a nerd. I am a nerd. I am an I am a nerd. Because my first understanding of who I am as a person was me being that kid who was reading Lord of the Rings books and watching Harry Potter and trying to learn how to do all the hand signs for, for Jutsu and Naruto. So that's how I see myself. So there is a portion of me as a man, and I think she's going through this in the show, Catters, that grew out of that when he became an adult. So what happened was is, I think there's a party that kind of will still naturally feel you're supposed to date somebody like that because you feel that's your natural match. But then there's a party that's like, no, bro, like that doesn't, like, like in the last few years, I've tried dating girls who were nerds and a lot of the time I just don't feel the, it's just, it just, it just, it's missing a spark. It's missing a spark. Now in her situation, I think what it is, is she just, he just doesn't sexually excite her. And that's a terrible place to be when you're a man where, but then another thing was fucked up, too, is when she was telling Maddie, and Maddie gave her good advice on this, she was basically telling Maddie, you know, this guy is perfect to me, he's nice, et cetera, et cetera, he has all his teeth and everything, and I don't know why I don't like him. And she and Maddie said some real shit. She was like, hey, man, just because it's somebody who you should like, it doesn't mean that you have to like, or something to that effect. Like, It's a lot of times, as a man or a woman, you'll meet somebody who you know for a fact would be good for you, but... It's just not what she wants, or it just doesn't do it for you. And it's not until you actually get into a relationship with that person and go out, or go out to go out for burgers at Wendy's or the Denny's, two or three times that you like, what the fuck am I doing with this, bro? This shit is banana cream pie, and I have a banana allergy. Why am I talking to this person? And I went through that, bro. So it is something to be said about that. Um, I'm wondering where this is going. Because I feel like Kat's probably going to fuck somebody in that show that we know. And he's probably going to find I feel like Kat's going to cheat on him. I feel like Kat's going to cheat on that guy. And it's going to be like a whole big thing. And it's going to be sad because it probably would have been better for her to cheat than to actually. It probably would have been better for her to break up with them than to cheat on them. So I think that's probably what's going to happen in this episode. Um, Let's talk about Nate. I guess we'll end the episode talking about Nate's, uh, Nate's dad, Cal. So Cal This nigga just said Fuck it Cal Cal must be retired already Cal must have got a goddamn retirement plan Cal must got a beach house in San Diego somewhere Because the way he went off On Nate His wife His other son I didn't even know he had another son up until this episode That nigga was giving him the business And I was like Nigga what? That nigga was mad, mad, my mad. And I'm going to say this before I break down into Nate. I know some men who are homosexual, who are gay, and they hid, they're older, around the age that I think Cal is in the show. They hid their sexuality behind having a family and raising kids because they were scared how society was gonna judge them, and that is a real thing. That's why, you know, a lot of people, particularly in my community, in the black community, are against so much so much um publicization of gay and all things kind of like on that spectrum. I am totally for that because I personally feel that I personally feel that there are a lot of toxic situations that are created and dangerous situations that are created because men are growing up in a society sometimes where they feel in some places they cannot be open with their sexuality without being judged. Now, granted, when I was in school, was there gay guys in school? Yes, there were. But I will also add to that that there are a lot of men who who were scared to come out. You have to understand I'm African-American and the African-American community, at least for my generation, a lot of us come from very church Church Bible thumping families, and it is frowned upon to be gay. Our grandmas will talk a lot of shit about you and and try to pray your gay away in our families. So, when I see him at the end of the episode, rant, there's a part of me really don't feel bad for him because he's so fucking full of shit. He fucking that one girl, uh, Jules, and him and Nate do that thing where they put their fingers in girls mouths and shit and he'd be recording himself it's just, it's just weird so but for the active fathers in the world and i'm gonna say this for the active fathers in the world when you take it out, when you watch the rant, he's talking about you know how he can't be himself and how he feels like this and yada 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 yada, and it's and that's just it kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere because his wife feels like she's just catching it. Looks like his wife is just catching strays, but it is something to be said about. There are a lot of men. Now, this is what that's not even talking about being gay, who go to work every day, give their whole life, and just literally just become an almost slave to. The support the supporting and the foundation of their families and with that being said you know they p- build up resentment to their kids and to their wives because it's like i'm building i'm literally bleeding myself to death supporting you guys and you know i had a life to live i had a life to i had a life i had options i have this i have that and things like that are what scares me about trying to have a family to have it to get to a place in my life where I have kids and I'm resent I have kids and I'm resentful of their existence to have to have um. to have a, a wife and I'm resentful of her presence. Um, This is a good show. When the show first came on, I was very reluctant to watch it just because th- this show is really heavy, bro. It is. Like, when I was watching the show, I just, this is, show is really heavy, bro. It's a really heavy show. But I highly recommend you watch it. It's very interesting. With that being said, I'll end that episode on that. It was a pleasure talking to everybody. Much love, peace, and chicken grease. This is The Greatest Voice Podcast, and I shall see you soon.